Hi, I'm Holland Petrock. I'm 15 years old and live in Jacksonville, North Carolina. This is Climate Stories Youth Report. A podcast by Coastal Youth Media and NC Health News exploring how climate change is shaping our neighbors' lives in unexpected ways. I'm your host. This podcast is produced by eight youth producers living in rural coastal North Carolina. Our region is one of the earliest places in the U.S. to be impacted by climate change. After training with professional North Carolina journalists, we embarked as reporters ourselves. Each episode, you'll hear from different coastal North Carolina youth reporters and their stories. Let's begin. 10 or 20 years ago, how many people were doing it versus what people now? I would, I would say 10 years ago, it was twice as many as there is now. So if, mm-hmm. if, if there's locally 100 doing it now, I would say there was 200 plus 10 years ago. Wow. In our first episode, 14-year-old reporter Alex Kyes is exploring how the commercial fishing industry in his neck of the woods, Carteret County, North Carolina, is being impacted by climate change. Today, Alex speaks to commercial fisherman Thomas Smith. Thomas's family has been shrimping for generations in a Carteret County area known as Down East. Down East is a remote string of about 12 communities, all not much more than a stone's throw from the water. Its earliest residents actually lived on Diamond City, the barrier islands of Shackleford Banks. Fierce nor'easters and hurricanes forced many of these first settlers, known as K-Bankers, to move from the barrier islands to what's now known as the Cedar Island and Marshall Bird communities down east. The towns were traditionally fishing villages, and most residents there today still work on the water and come from generations of commercial fishermen. Many folks from the area still have a hoi-toiter or high-tider accent, a dialect indigenous to the lowlands area of North Carolina. This call is now being recorded. Yeah, buddy. Hey. What do you do exactly? I am a commercial fisherman, and mainly I just shrimp. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, over 20 years. And what got you to start doing it? Uh, my father actually does it for a living also. Mm-hmm. So your father started it. Yep, and I always did it with him, and mm-hmm. I actually went to college and got a degree in construction and did that for about 10 years and did not like it because my passion was shrimping. Tell me, uh, people fish around here. And commercially? Uh, I would say a hundred different boats, maybe. Since you've started this, do you say the uh, uh-huh. weather generally dictates how long you do it? Have, like, uh, the it way does. The, yeah? Have, like, the way the weather works, has it, like, changed over the years? Like, a noticeable change, or is it mostly the same? I don't know if it's the weather or if it's cycles. I would contribute it to the weather and the way the climate is changing. But mm-hmm. uh, the seasons in the last five to ten years, where normally it would get cold in November and the, the season would be over, um, the last five to ten years, you've been able to shrimp all through the winter and never stop. Until it warms back hmm. up and you keep going. Wow. And I would contribute that to climate change because wow. up until the last 10 years, there's really not been uh, shrimp north of us 
like in Virginia or Maryland, and the last 10 years, they've seen a large amount of shrimp, which prolongs our season as the shrimp okay. migrate down. Yeah, and that's all due because of the weather. Is there like a certain season for this, or can it be done year-round? Yep. Yep. Uh, in North Carolina, because we have a winter and it gets cold here, they don't really put a season on it. Um, the people that regulate us, they don't really put an open and closing time. Um, their weather really dictates our season. So when, it, when the water gets below 50 degrees, the shrimp will usually um, go in the bottom. They'll dig a hole and, and bury bury themselves in the bottom for protection. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, where other states like Florida and Louisiana or the other ones in the Gulf where it's fairly mild all the time, they have open and closing dates. The people that regulate Thomas are the NC Division of Marine Fisheries. Fishermen and the department don't typically see eye to eye. If you hear about a fish having a season, it's because Marine Fisheries has determined that the fish population is in danger of being overfished. Commercial fishing wasn't always regulated, though. Until the late 90s, there were very few laws around commercial fishing in North Carolina. The Fisheries Reform Act, passed by the NC House in 1997, changed that. It's considered the most significant fisheries legislation in NC history. Trawling, how most shrimpers get their catch, has led to the biggest issue in the shrimp industry today, bycatch. When shrimpers cast their nets, they catch a lot more fish than just shrimp. With inshore shrimping, the bycatch is mostly croaker, spot, and gray trout, or trash fish. Fish usually discarded by fishermen. So, like, have there been different ways? Have people been, like, fishing in different ways versus how they used to do it now? Or has it relatively stayed stayed the same over the years? Uh, The basic principle is the same. Now, they... Over the years, um, they've gotten better at it and gotten mm-hmm. bigger nets and more efficient nets. And uh, a lot of folks, instead of changing the boat size, have just gone to bigger engines, which means you can do bigger nets or catch okay. more. So uh, how do you catch shrimp? I have this boat actually pulls four nets behind the boat. Mm-hmm. And they open up like a big mouth and yeah. spread spread open, and you pull them behind the boat, and these nets yeah. drag along the bottom. Okay, that's interesting. Does everyone use nets, or are there other ways that people will do it? Commercial fishing. Uh, yeah, mostly. Well. The shrimp fishery is, is mostly nets of some sort of another. Um, some people use trawls that we drag behind the boat, and then other people will take a net and anchor it um, in deep water and let the shrimp, the tide bring the shrimp within. That's called a channel net. Um, it just all depends on the person and the location and what kind of method they use. How much does a boat cost, like one of the larger ones? Uh, it, it depends on what you're getting. They could, 
my smaller boats, you're talking 50,000. This one's 80 to 100. And then, I mean, if you, if you go right on up to the big red steel boats you see in Beaufort, you're talking several hundred thousand dollars. So how often, like, during the hurricanes, will one of these trawlers get, like, damaged or lose lose mooring end up floating away? And, like, say, what would happen Uh, if that happened? Right. Uh, A number of things. Uh, First off, uh, if you're lucky, it just picks you up and sits you in the marsh somewhere and you go undamaged. Uh, okay. if not, you know, you could slam you into a dock, tear the boat up, make a hole in the boat, uh, could do a number of things. Typically, most folks take care of their, of their boats and, um, you know, take measures to keep them safe, whether it's lift them up and put them on the shore in a boat yard or tie them up good. Most folks take care of their boats ahead of time. But stuff still okay. happens where things still can get damaged. So, uh, how much would you catch during a day? If I go and spend all day, if I can't catch four to five hundred pounds, I would consider it a bad day. Hmm. So I want I want to go catch that many in a day to make it worth my time. So, uh, what's the most you caught in a day? The most I've caught in a day was about 7,000. Wow. When was that? That was 2014 or 15. It's been about six or seven years. So where do you generally catch? Uh, now, with things change, you know, mm-hmm. every so many years just with the yeah. environment, but... We mostly right now shrimp in Pamlico Sound and out in the ocean. Okay. Right here off of Atlantic Beach. Mm, all right, thank you. Uh-huh. So, uh, how far off the shore do you do it? Uh, yep, in the ocean, we're usually from the beach out to three miles. So, you've been doing this for 20 years? Yes, sir. So, uh, how long would you say most people have been doing this? Some folks, you know, some folks start in their, when they're 20 years old and, and work till they retire in their 60s and 70s. So, there's mm-hmm. some old timers that are still doing it that have been doing it since they were teenagers. So, you're talking 40 or 50 years that some folks have been doing it. How often do, like, uh, new people come and start? Used to, 20 years ago, it was passed down from families to generation to generation, but the way the was really driven people out is the, the cost of fuel is going up and the price of shrimp have gone down over the years. So because of your main expense is fuel, and mm-hmm. fuel has gone up, you know, every year. What's and, causing and, the and shrimp price? Yep, uh, imported seafood from overseas, hmm. like Vietnam and China. They can they can put it on the ship and send it here, and there's no kind of tax charged against our product, so they can sell it cheap. Um, so the, really, the new folks, there really aren't that many that are getting in it nowadays. 
people have gotten away from it. Okay. Kind of a dying breed. The commercial fishing industry workforce in North Carolina is actually at its lowest ever. And even as local catch trends appear to be on a rise, seafood imports have led to a devastating loss in market share for North Carolina's fishermen. As the competition has made the industry less lucrative, fewer young people choose to join the trade. The absence of youth in the fishing industry nationwide has become commonly known as the graying of the fleet. 10 or 20 years ago, how many people were doing it? Versus what I would say, now. I would I would say 10 years ago it was twice as many as there is now. So if, mm-hmm. if, if there's locally 100 doing it now, I would say there was 200 plus 10 years ago. Wow. Well, I, thank you for this interview. It's been You're very welcome. Good. How, what, what grade? Are, what grade are you in, buddy? Uh, eighth grade. Eighth grade. Very good. Mm-hmm. Where you, Where you go to school at? Uh, Broad Creek. Nice. Okay. Well, good luck. If you have any more questions, you're welcome to call me. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Climate Stories, Youth Report. Each episode, our coastal North Carolina youth reporters take you into a story about how climate change is shaping our neighbors' lives in unexpected ways. I'm your host, Holland Petrov. I'm 15 years old and live in Jacksonville, North Carolina. After going through a journalism and podcast training program coached by Coastal Youth Media and NC Health News journalists, our youth reporters produce stories about their home region. This project is funded in part by a grant by North Carolina Sea Grant through the Community Collaborative Research Program. Coming up, another Climate Stories Youth Report episode.